Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're sitting down with our good friend, Kevin Wheeler. We are sponsored by Spirit Leaf Waterdown, located at 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, Ontario. If you're looking for Canada's premium cannabis stop, look no further. Alex and his team of amazing individuals know their cannabis. THC, CBD, everything you need, they know it. Being a subscriber will get you 10% off every time you shop with them. All you need to do is make sure you're following our Instagram and their Instagram. Put them in this. I'll put make sure I put them in the description for you guys. Shop online, show them that you followed us, and you'll save money. We're also working with Project XGuard. Project XGuard is a not-for-profit organization connecting underprivileged youth, getting connected with jujitsu when they can't afford it or just don't have the means. They're changing lives every day in the process, and we can't wait to have you contact us or them get somebody involved if they need it. Thanks, everybody, and enjoy the show. I'm stuck in lockdown right now. I'm not allowed to leave for 14 days because I just oh, traveled to the States. That's right. You uh, you just got back from where – where was Masters War? Was that in Orlando? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, Florida. Right in the motherland. Coronavirus. <laughs> Motherland. <laughs> Motherland. Thank yeah, you. no, that's 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 awesome. Congratulations, by the way, on that silver medal. That's awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. Appreciate it. Kevin Kevin Wheeler is now my maestro. Let's let's introduce let's introduce yourself to 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 the podcast and then we'll talk about your experience down there. So introduce introduce uh, yourself to everybody here. I'm gonna also introduce you as aka mike Breyers jr uh, also the winner of the mike Breyers look-alike contest but uh introduce yourself to anybody who's listening to this who who doesn't know you yeah well thanks guys for having me appreciate appreciate really excited to be on uh, kevin wheeler uh black belt under fernando zulik uh at action reaction mma i run the kids programs here at the action reaction both clubs uh pickering and the north york club and i teach the adults uh, morning classes and beginners here um, I've been training for about 11 years, uh, a year as a black belt now, and compete any chance I can get. Which, unfortunately, chances right now are... There's, there's a lot less of that lately, but, uh, you know, it just it seemed like a good opportunity now with uh, everything winding down for Christmas and all the lockdowns that uh, the opportunity arose, and I jumped on the jumped on it right fortunately slim picking is was that kind of the re- your reasoning for like hey you know what i'm gonna take a stab at ma- at a rona pandemic world masters worlds in orlando just because like once you get back you're pretty much into christmas and then you that's you pretty to, much you, it right yeah. i was thinking about it uh around pans i was thinking about going to the pans back in september but it just didn't make sense we we had some classes going on of course you know with social distancing rules and everybody in their own areas and stuff like that and small pods and stuff. But we, we did have classes. I did have responsibilities. I had things to do, right. And didn't make sense then. Now the world shut down again and we're not allowed to train. Jiu-Jitsu is outlawed. So I saw the opportunity. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu to... is now illegal. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu is now illegal. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu is unfortunately now illegal. Okay. So you're, you're down in Orlando. Uh, take me through the whole experience of, cause we talked to we talked to a couple of people who've, who've competed internationally, like during, during, you know, COVID during a pandemic. So like, take me through a little bit of that experience first and foremost. Like, so you get down there, like, 
what's it like in Orlando for people aren't there? Are there, is herpes everywhere? Is COVID everywhere? <laughs> is it a free for all? Like give us like your personal experience about the, the whole, whole trip. Down. Well, I was a little surprised about that. I was expecting it to be the wild, wild west, right? Um, I got off the airport, I got off the plane at the airport and everybody's wearing masks. It's mandatory in all the airports. Um, everyone seemed to be pretty respectful, respectful about social distancing and everything. When uh, Gringo came and picked me up at the airport and we went back to the first, we hit a Walmart and then went back to the spot we were staying. Everybody again was seemed to be following rules. It's like here, you know, um, a bit more people were allowed in the store, but people keep give you a wide berth. Everybody's wearing their masks, at least from my experiences, right? Uh, when we got to the venue, it's, you know, a, a bit more of the same, mainly people wearing masks, but there were a few people just wearing the chin diaper walking around. Um, <laughs> a little harder to enforce too after people just fight in the bullpens, people were taking off those masks, you know, you gotta breathe heavy, need a little bit of, a bit more air. So um, a little more. I'm curious, like, what are the protocols like? So you walk into the venue, like, are there rules that they're giving you? Like, hey, okay, you have to wear a mask between, like, mats and, like, where you're going. Like, what what are kind of, like, the rules and provisions that they've given you for, like, the IBJJF and other tournaments that you're aware of? So we walk into the building and we get a temperature check right away. Um, Then you walk straight into, like, the sign-in kind of uh, area where they take your ID and kind of give you your stamp. Only competitors on that day are allowed in the venue and they're allowed one spectator or coach. So go in, um, Gringo is my spectator. So we go in, no problem. Um, everybody's only allowed to, you're only exempt from wearing your mask when you're on the mats, right? Everybody's supposed to be wearing masks at all times. They did have some people walking around trying to enforce, but you know, it is, it is hard. They were saying on the loudspeaker all the time, Make sure you have your mask on the on at all times over your nose and mouth. But of course, you can only tell people that so much. Uh, there was a little bit of rule breaking, but they do their best to enforce all that. Right? Um, yeah, that was, that was our experience with me and Aaron at a, a gym that we frequent that we don't speak of on this podcast. You can kind of read between <laughs> the lines, but there's um there was a lot of protocols and things to follow there. Like you go in, you get a, a you get temperature checks. So if your yeah. temperature is high or low, they kind of screen you and kind of see like what's going on with you. And then you go in, you get changed and then you can go you go work out. But basically like between stations you have to wear you have to you have to be masked up basically or for uh, for reasons like if you have like certain health issues that may make wear wearing a mask if it makes those things worse then like they'll give you like a face shield or things like that but it, it seems like a similar procedure where you go okay you're you're gonna go in you're gonna wear a mask you're gonna it basically it's just you're you're following the same things that you've been doing normally except you're just wearing a piece of something over your face pretty much yeah yeah it's pretty much more of the same there you know just you're supposed to wear it all the time and the only time you could really take it off was when your mat side about to step on the mats and go fight uh the referees had a mask on and a face shield and uh, it is what it is right it is it is what it is <laughs> so take me take me through like your your matches mindset uh you did very well i think i i wasn't that surprised like that you did very well but i think some people some people were you know it's like who's who's this guy who looks like mike Breyer's getting a silver medal at masters at masters worlds and black belt at that so like it probably had the one guy of the, more... in the finals uh, yeah. on the podium in the finals the guy who beat me afterwards he looked at me he's like who are you where'd you come from <laughs> 
hey, it, it, yeah. they're like, it's you. And then there's like a bunch of Brazil. Hey, man, where are you train? Like, That's I haven't it. seen you before. Yeah, so <laughs> that like, was cool. But yeah, the main thing was uh, the mindset was just not to go through all this shit for nothing, right? Like, I, I knew I was taking a big risk going down to Florida. I knew that I was going to have to quarantine for, for two weeks on the back end of it over Christmas, not see the family for Christmas and New Year's, have a lonely kind of holiday season. So there was that pressure of not doing all that for nothing, right? I didn't want to go and then lose that first match. And fuck, that would be a long quarantine, right? <laughs> go all, you do all this stuff. You, you, you go down, you go down to Florida, you know, the risks of COVID maybe that might be a little bit higher there than here. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the risk in general is, is going to be higher in, both places regardless that's besides the point though but you know you're you're taking a risk you are you're right though you're taking a risk going down there you're going to compete and yeah it would kind of suck you go down there you get submitted in a minute but you went you went in you're like you know what i'm gonna make this worth it this i don't know when i'm gonna compete next i don't know when i'm gonna compete next based on this like i don't know i don't know what's going on so you go in and you you do your thing that's it i was just excited for the opportunity to compete and yeah, a lot of nerves. I knew a lot of people at home were watching, a lot of students, a lot of uh, kids, you know, a lot of kids and their parents, a lot of people I didn't want to disappoint, right? So again, I didn't want to do all that for nothing. So I would go into that first match with a, a lot of weighing on me, right? A lot of pressure. And uh, that first match went really well. I, the lapel was working really well for me. It felt like the guy really didn't see what was coming. He kind of let me set up to that deep uh, inverted De La Hiva worm guard. And before I know it, I'm on his back. I played kind of conservatively to get that win. But, you know, after that match, just the confidence was up a bit. But at the same time, it's like, do I, is again all this worth it just to go one and one? No, not really. I want to go do better than that, right? There's always every, the every match is like, ah, I think I got one more. Yeah, is that enough? You know, of course, from the beginning, there was always the hope that I go down and I win a gold medal, and I'm telling myself I'm going to go smash people, I'm going to go do my best, I'm coming home with a gold medal. But at the same time, you know, that little bitch in you telling you, can you really do that? You know, I'm, I'd be happy with not going one and done, right? So then that after that first match and that that kind of weight is lifted, it's like. Do I want to go one and one? I went at Euros and I went one and one. Uh, I need to improve that record, right? So then, uh, sorry, was Euros your first tournament at black belt? It was because I ju I just got it my black belt in December. Um, yeah, and then you and went to Euros, and then after that, like just annual. everything went to shit basically. I was training for Pans, and then uh, the world fell apart, right? And Pans never happened or didn't happen until September. I was in. So then. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so I, I won that first match. Um, wasn't going to settle for one and one. I went out and I didn't realize I had had the number two seed in the uh, in the brackets. So I guess that's the good thing about not studying too much the brackets and looking up on the names. So I had no idea what I was getting into. I was fighting uh, Fabio Passos, and I had no who no idea who he was. Yeah, I, think, I, I think he trades with Cabrini. I think he's like one of his instructors. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's yeah. a top top competitor, top level guy someone I shouldn't be beating and I went out there and I had a good match and I played with this his lapel a little bit I almost got to his back I got some uh, sweet points and was able to eke out the win there and then I step off the mats and everybody's like oh wow you beat Fabio Passos I'm like who <laughs> what oh okay <laughs> who's this guy <laughs> so the confidence was up and now the new motivation wasn't anymore not not going one and done or one and one 
the the new motivation was that my next match was going to be against the guy who beat me last year at Worlds. Uh, this guy, Patrick Hamilton, beat me in the semifinals of Masters Worlds last year at Brown Belt. And last, year's at, last year at Brown Belt, I was, uh, I was in a good spot to win it because, you know, I uh, had a great showing in, in the Euros. I had a great showing in Pans. I was kind of one of the top-ranked uh, competitors at, at my age and I was at my belt. And then... You know, I ran into a killer and he ripped my foot off. And I, I lost that match by footlock. So here I am and I have a chance to redeem myself and fight this guy, Patrick, who beat me last year. So now we had a new motivation, right? And I went out there and uh, I got the referee's decision. It was a very close match. He was playing with my foot a little bit. I was able to come up on, he thought it was a double guard pull, but I pulled first. So I got the two points for coming up. Uh, he stalled out toward the end and swept me right at the end of the match. And uh, we ended 2-2. The re- Luckily, the referee gave it to me uh, on the ref's decision. But that one could have gone either way. So then here I am after that match in the semifinals. And then, of course, now the mood- new motivation is, fuck, I can actually get a gold medal. I can actually possibly medal at my first. Or I've uh, secured the medal, but I could, I'd be meddling at my first world championships at Black Belt. So... You know, now uh, there was a new motivation, a new reason to fight my hardest and try to get that gold, right? I think it's, I think what you mentioned before, like not knowing who you're competing against sometimes, I think I could give you like a psychological advantage. Cause like you mentioned the, the person who you competed against in the second round, he was like a high ranked, like masters one competitor. And then you went out and you're like, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm just going to work. I'm going to do my thing. And let's see what happens. Cause I remember, I think I, when I did like purple belt worlds, I think my first match again, I, I ended up winning like a ref decision against, it was like one of the favorites to actually win the whole like middleweight division. And like, oh, yeah. I think he went, I think he got silver at medium heavy and then cut down to middleweight, which is the vision I was in for worlds. And then I competed against, and I didn't, I didn't look up the guy. I went, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to work my game. We'll see what happens. And I get, you had like a similar mindset as well. You're just like, I know what I'm good yeah. at. I'm going to execute it on people. If they can stop it, then, hey, you know, good good for them. You got it. I'd rather not know too much about the other guy because then I get too much in my head. I get too worried about getting sucked into their game, get starstruck. You know, I'd, I'd rather not kind of have to deal with that, right? Take me through, like, we went – we talked about a lot of, like, your, you know, competing down in Orlando during during this whole thing. But, like, what have you been doing, like, this year just to prepare in general? So, like, you're going to do pans in March and then, like, the whole world fell apart. Like, what have you been doing from, like, then to now? Like, what – like, have you been training – like, training, pod training? Like, what are you trying to oh. – trying to do to try to stay, you know – stay stay in shape but like stay mentally like sharp as well well the thing about training for the pans is i was training for pans i was all ready to go and then i messed up my knee really bad i uh like really bad i tore my or i have a partial tear in my acl and i tore my meniscus i have a bucket handle tear in my meniscus Oh, nice! all that happened right before the pans right so i kind of felt a little responsible for the world shutting down because i kind of willed that there'd be some catastrophe and the world wouldn't be able to go to the pans because i was gonna have to miss it so then that kind of happened so i felt kind of a little bad when the whole world went into chaos but uh yeah the first little bit of that the first few months of that was just rehabbing my knee just looking for looking towards uh towards strengthening things towards strengthening the body a little bit i have a kind of 
weak old, uh, weak old body because I don't lift enough weights. So just trying to fix that. I have a great guy in my corner helping me out there and um, just focusing on rehab and sharpening my skills and getting better. Um, as you know, the whole world stopped for a few months. And then we kind of opened the gym in July, I think it was, when we were allowed to start to do some kind of the lockdowns kind of uh, loosened up a bit. We were allowed to do some kind of training in our own space and we were doing um, just I was running the kids classes the kids would be allowed to partner with siblings or with somebody that the parents would be allowed to be in their bubble and we were just doing a bit of training like that right so I was doing a lot of teaching still during the during the lockdown during the summer of the lockdown and doing that until kind of the most recent lockdowns we had Pickering open so up until pretty much Christmas we were still doing that um but yeah just that that's what i've been doing just training uh teaching and getting ready for the pens or running ready for the world sorry well for the record i think aaron likes to blame me that i went away on vacation for one week and the whole world fell apart it was pretty much that one week i went to costa rica i was actually there arthur was in costa rica at the same time i was but we're at different different ends of the country and we were trying to like meet up but I'm thinking back, like if me and him meet up, if we would have actually like came together and met up, I think the world might have exploded. So I think <laughs> just the two of us there kind of like messed up the poles of the earth and kind of this is where we're at right now, unfortunately. But I think if we actually found each other in Costa Rica, I think the world might have ended. So there might not have been any jujitsu after that. I'm cool with that yeah. theory because it takes the blame off me. So I'm down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I wouldn't place any of that blame on yourself at all. It is. 100% Mike's fault. So don't <laughs> worry about that. So 100%, you know, take the load off, dude. Just one last thing to worry about. Appreciate that. Weight has been lifted. Aaron, Aaron just can't take responsibility sometimes. So he just like, you know, he likes to shift the blame onto, <laughs> onto other people. Oh, no, no, no. I, I handle responsibility quite well. There's somebody else I know that doesn't handle Who, me? Oh, you're throwing, <laughs> you're throwing shots at me now? But this is this is not that time and place, right? This is Kevin's podcast, not I Michael's re- podcast. I, I, I'm a responsible I don't know. I'm also spending my podcast down with that. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kevin's podcast now. We're, we're handing over the reins to you. I think me and Aaron have had a good run. Me, I've had a good run. Aaron, maybe not so much, but I think you'll get better ratings like that. <laughs> Wheeler <laughs> equals ratings. A winner of the Mike Pryor's lookalike contest equals ratings. <laughs> the amount of people well, have the actually most confused- frustrating thing in the world. Be fucking. I'm on the mat. I step off the mat's refing, and they're like, oh. Aren't you still on the mat, dude? I just saw you refing on mat three. It's like, no, that's not me. <laughs> no, that's not that's me. My doppelganger. That's my doppelganger. <laughs> I think that'll be. That's basically the title of the podcast. Aaron is the doppelganger. The doppelganger. He Kevin's good at jujitsu. I just lift now. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you retired. Eh? Well, semi-retired. I was actually. I actually had plans of doing more tournaments. I was actually going to compete this year more. And then, well, you saw what happened. <laughs> well, Every my time... very first world championships, I had the pleasure of rooming with the one and only Michael Bryce. You did. It was, it was pretty legendary. It was a magical time. 2013, what? you and me and Nahad. Me, you and Nahad and Long. What happened to Nahad? Is he retired now? Is he disappeared oh, off the face Korea. of the planet? What's he's that? He's living in Korea now. 
Oh, he's in Korea now? Yeah, he has been for a while. Oh, okay, no, good for him, though. Shout out to yeah. Nahad. If he, he'll probably be listening to it this as oh, well. Oh, he will. Once, once he sees I'm on your show, of course he's going to be watching. Yeah, he's not, he's, not, he's not listening to anybody else. That's it. He's like, Kevin Wheeler? Who is this man's? But no, we, we actually, well, we oh. did room together at the one of the original, I think that was my first Worlds as well. 2013, 2013. Long Beach, California. Try not right to get, sh- trapped try not to get, sh- what's that? Trapped in the right closet. Right across from the trap in the closet, like free HIV test place. Like, what the hell? You know you're in a good neighborhood when they're giving out free HIV tests in the middle of the hood. Yeah, we got a spot there. We got a good spot there. But that was fun. That was, that was some great memories that trip, for sure. Yeah, that was good. That was good times. Yeah. So, Kevin... So, obviously, because I know you guys are refing together all the time, are you getting blamed a lot for Mike's bullshit uh, <laughs> ref decisions that he's obviously, like, biased opinions giving to other teams on purpose? Oh, yeah, that's that's the biggest problem with looking like Mike. They're like, yo, that guy's a shitty ref. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, you're, Aaron, you know what? Somebody's actually going to listen to this, and they're actually going to think you're serious, and they're going to be like, I knew it! Fuck that guy! I knew he was doing this! <laughs> <laughs> no, both of me and Mike are both fairly competent. Um, I'm not quite as competent competent a ref as Mike, so I don't think uh, we got too many complaints coming our way. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think of. I don't think Kevin's had too many complaints again. Um, gone against him. But you know what, though, when it comes to refing, like we can talk about that a little bit as well. Is it's a hard game. It's a hard. It's our game. It's like you can know the rules. There's a difference between I think knowing the rules and how to apply them in situations because I think me and Eric have talked about this a few times. You can take one situation and three reps and three reps can see it three different ways. I yep. think that's a major, when it comes to like more of the IBGF rule set is what I'm talking about, or like the OJA or the, the, the Ontario Jiu-Jitsu Association or the Canadian Jiu-Jitsu Association, that rule set because they usually follow the IBJJF. But usually that rule set, there's a lot of gray areas. I think you would agree with that as well. There's things that one person could call one way and they can have a justification for it being right. And then there could be a way that Aaron calls things and it's wrong. And then there's a way that Kevin could call something differently. And you could, if as long as you're justifying it, you're applying the rules like, Hey, you know what? Like, this is what I saw. It's in the rule book. Hey, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It's, it is fairly subjective and, you know, like all you can do is do your best, right? A lot's going on in matches. It's very dynamic. You know, you can be focusing on one thing and miss something completely. It's all about perspective too. You need to be in the right spot, seeing the right things, knowing what's coming, kind of anticipating what the person is looking for. You know, it's, there's a lot of variables and there's a lot that can be missed and stressful jobs sometimes, right? Yeah. What are some things I'll, I'll just talk about the IBGF rule set in general, but what are some things you would like to see change with that to like either add more clarity or just get rid of some rules that you think are silly or even like, what are your favorite like rule sets to compete in? Cause you've competed in a bunch as well, besides like the IBGF one. Actually really I've, I mainly just competed in IBGF. Um, I've maybe done one, one, uh, submission only tournament back when we had that's the Ontario sub only tournament I mainly just did uh, BGF uh, tournaments um, and and rule sets but I don't know what I would change there's I don't know there's so many 
like advantages can be such a tricky game. The fact that like someone can get a almost submission, almost put someone unconscious and just get a an advantage for it. And then there's another scenario where two people are sitting on their butt and one person comes up and they get an advantage. So like, it's hard to say how I would correct that, but I definitely see that advantages aren't equal, right? No, they're and not. I agree with that. Aren't equal, and then there's almost an argument for giving multiple advantages for certain scenarios. But like, like for an almost sub, maybe you give two advantages, but like, or do the or things uh, points? Uh, would those be awarded points? I don't know. It's it would be hard to amend the rules. I, I wouldn't know what I would change about them, but I do not like the fact that, you know, you can work so hard for something and get, only get an advantage and then other scenarios do nothing and get an advantage for it. Right. And especially at like a black belt level, if you're watching like adult worlds or even like master's worlds, a lot of those matches, cause like, for example, even master's worlds, like you have five, six minutes and you're fighting black belt competition that has been training a long time. Yep. One little tiny mistake and like, that's it. Like that's the whole match and it could be an advantage somewhere. And like, that's the whole thing. That was me in the finals. I made such a stupid lapel pass. Like I was doing so well in the finals of uh, uh, worlds. I had like a nice lapel going around my leg and I just, I don't know why I decided to unravel it. I felt like I was too restricted. And then you see me in the video, I let go of the lapel and the second I try to unravel my leg, boom, he passes to the right. So like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like that. You make one mistake and it's over. Now, let me ask you this, because you guys both have perspective eyes as a referee. Now, when we talk about like changing things, would you ever want to see where advantages would like accumulate? Let's say, obviously it don't happen in a lot of situations, but let's say, okay, you got one guy has two points and then a the guy's racked up like a whack load of advantages. Right. So Maybe he got the got the points at the beginning of the match, and then I don't like a go to the, you go to the you take those advantages to the bank and you cash them in for points. That's what basically but, what I heard say. That's what I'm I don't, asking, right? I don't know because like if the thing is like if you change a rule, then yeah. that can entirely change how people are going to compete and like strategize, yeah. right? So people are going to take advantage of the rules, especially the ones that know them. Or if you're refereeing and you have experience and you know the rules. You're going to try to use them to your advantage. You're going to try to use them to, you know, your, your teammates advantages as well. If you're coaching them. That's it. That's the game, right? It's like you can be attacking from the bottom and have all kinds of almost finishes. But if that guy swept you and he's up two points, you're not going to win unless you use one of your submission attempts to sweep. And you need to be factoring that into your attack and, it is what it is. Like we all know the rules and if you can't make that sweep happen, it doesn't matter if you almost ripped my arm off five times. I won the match. I, I got yeah. the point and we both knew the rules from the beginning and Hey, if you can't win under those, that rule set, then. You yeah, no, that. that's why I was, that's why I was just asking, right? Like if you guys, if we're talking about like, if there's things to change, would that be something you'd want to change? Or it's just like, no, that's kind of needs to be stuck. Like stay with that. Yeah, um, I don't know, like, I do get what you're saying. And I was kind of saying the same thing that like, I don't like the fact that someone could work so hard for one advantage, and then someone barely works and gets two advantages that aren't almost not didn't 
result in any progression in the match, right? If if you yeah, got I, like, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you know it's because, like because like if I almost submit somebody and somebody double guard pulls, it's you both have an advantage for something. But I've also yeah. seen at a lot of like like refereeing courses where they try to give you like a precedent of you have to look at like how each advantage is scored. So for example, if there's a match, let's say it's one advantage to one advantage and it comes down to that. If somebody nearly submits somebody for an advantage and somebody double guard pulls and comes up for an advantage, just using those two Mm -hmm. as an example, the precedent would be on the person scoring the submission because they got the closest to winning the match. And then it would go like, let's say point scoring position. So like, let's say, you almost sweep me, but then I get back on top and then you get advantage, but then I almost pass your guard since passing a guard would be worth more in the points category. Then that should be weighed more if you're making like a referee decision, just for like an example. Definitely. But let's say in that match, now we had two double guard pulls and I came up for both of them and I got two advantages and you almost completely strangled me unconscious, but I just barely popped out how did I win the match and you lost? Right. But definitively I got two advantages and you got one, but that's again, that's the game. And we know that's the game. And Hey, I knew the rules from the beginning. And if I wasn't able to score another advantage, Hey, I shouldn't win the match. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Fair enough. Okay. Question. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I'm, there could definitely be some changes to the rules, but I just wouldn't know where to change them. You yeah. need uh, more intelligent people, more savvy people on the rules than me. <laughs> I think there's a lot of trial and error as well. You have to see, yeah. like, you have to implement a rule change, so like knee reaping and things like that. For an example, I'm just using that as an example. Then see what happens with it. Then you can kind of like make some make some of the modifications, like they're starting to now, especially for nogi, where like you can reap, you can do heel hooks. And they're trying to like evolve like that side of the game a little bit more. Is there, I was going to ask you, is there any like jujitsu people that you follow, like outside of, outside of your team that are like influences on you or like any MMA fighters? Like, do you watch a lot of jujitsu or you watching a lot of like UFC outside of like your own training? Um, not too much like uh, watching actual matches and stuff, but I, I have been trying to do a lot of studying and uh, doing a lot of Donaher studying. And uh, if you watch my matches at, at the Worlds, you can tell that I did, I've been doing a lot of Keenan studying, a lot of lapel encyclopedia studying. And I feel that's been a bit of a cheat code for me in my, in my jiu-jitsu the last year or so because uh, I've really been heavily relying on in the last couple of tournaments and uh, I think it's made a big difference. So that Keenan studying for a bit of that edge on the fancy stuff that people aren't really seeing. And then the Donaher to kind of fix my basics and tighten up that kind of that, that ground that from the bottom up kind of that basics. And uh, also I do a lot of teaching. So I find it very beneficial to study the way that Donaher teaches. He speaks to you like you're a child and like you've never done jujitsu before. I learn a lot from that kind of style and I kind of want to, uh, I, I find that my teaching style benefits a lot from that, from studying his type, right? You're just talking down to all the children. Okay. 
this is what this I, is how you met you're gonna you're gonna talk in like a new zealand accent like i can't oh, do a yeah. new zealand accent at all it's like this is how you mount this is the good it's like uh can i can i go to the bathroom now for two and I got, dilemmas in this scenario two dilemmas <laughs> in this scenario is <laughs> dilemma number one you listen My to the technique you don't, <laughs> and you pee your pants because <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah. Dilemma I, number two. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this because when you look at like all these new instructionals that have like really come into play within the last year, and you look at so the, let's say the Keenan Encyclopedia, which is wealth of knowledge, and Keenan teaches a certain way, right? The way he communicates his message and when it's there. And then when you have the Danaher, like any series where it's very methodical, but it's almost like a 20 minute lecture on positioning, right? Before you actually get like, and again, I still love the videos. Don't get me wrong. I'm not bashing either one. Right. But the one thing about the Danaher thing is like, he gets really good points. It just takes way too long to get there in instruction. I I don't know. Like, what's your opinion on that? I do think that too, and it can be very easily fall asleep on it to that stuff. I've definitely had a few naps watching my Donna, my Donna her videos, but like I do find it give it, he really drives points home, right? He says them so many times that like I didn't need to watch that DVD four times. You know, he just drilled this concept uh, into me. He forced mm-hmm. me to watch it four times, right? Whereas like a Keenan thing, I'll, I'll have to watch it once, I'll have to watch it again, I'll have to watch it a third time, make sure I got it. I guess I do still do that with the Donaher videos, but like, you know, I feel like he forces the most important points. He reiterates them so much that you're never going to lose them or that you're going to, they're going to be drilled so much into your mind. And I think that's, that can be beneficial to it, but only if you can get through it. It's, it's hard to watch more than like half an hour of Donaher at a time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've noticed that. (laughs) What made you gravitate towards those two names? Like what made you pick up the lapel game and add that to what you're doing? Like, was it just something that you found like it just worked for you or is it something well, like trial and error? Or... I had seen it for a while. Like uh, Simon, Simon Hepworth had been killing me in the gym with it a little bit. I'd seen his daughter, Hannah in the kids classes, just murdering kids with the lapel. And I definitely had a lot of respect for the fact that it's like, it's such it's like a jujitsu is to someone who doesn't know jujitsu right it's if you don't understand the system it is going to kill you and it's just that that's the kind of thing that attracted me to jujitsu in the beginning the fact that like i have a cheat code and if you don't know the cheat code you're going to get destroyed by it and uh i just it was actually a lapel seminar Uh, we had some brazilian guys here training and beating us up for for a lot of the uh past couple of years and uh two of them or well Fosta's not brazilian but lisboa and Fosta put on a seminar for us in pickering a lapel seminar and i went to that and kind of definitely had respected the lapel but wasn't playing it myself and they showed me some cool concepts and some cool attacks and i was like wow this is so cool i want to learn it so as i said the way i fell in love with jiu-jitsu from the beginning is just that well if i know this and they don't i can beat them okay sign me up teach me it i want to know it right and they kind of put that love for the lapel in me and then i went and got the uh, lapel encyclopedia and did the studying and kind of been sharpening it up myself right 
And I've seen so much success from it from the beginning that it was just, okay, yes, this is where I should be putting my time. This is, it's definitely very niche in sport jiu-jitsu. I'm never going to be using my lapel knowledge in anywhere other than competing in jiu-jitsu, but uh, competing in a gi, but like. You, uh, you mean still, you're not going to use the lapel in a street fight? I don't know. That might be might be my first go-to just unzip their sweater and open up the sweater <laughs> hang on a second have like a zip-up sweater. <laughs> this is a common no, question yeah. we at we ask a lot of guests will a barambolo work in a street fight i think it's a good way to, to slip this in right now i think that if the meows wanted to barambolo you in a street fight they're gonna fucking find a way they're gonna <laughs> find a way you know if you're good enough at the barambolo you can make it happen but i wouldn't be uh pulling it out as the, the main attack probably don't want to be pulling guard but if you found yourself on the bottom with a delahiva hook hey if they don't know what's going on hey you might find yourself on their back before you know it grab the belt <laughs> crab ride on glass and concrete you got you got this <laughs> yeah you definitely want to be kicking your environments and it's got to be a one-on-one position but or one-on-one situation but i wouldn't be i wouldn't be pulling it out as your aim game but hey how about um, jiu-jitsu competitors? Is there anybody that you follow in like Masters 1 that you're competing with or any of like the adult competitors that you're seeing coming up right now? Like what are, what are some names, if there's any, that you've been following and studying? Um, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't watch too much. Like uh, I follow one person. I'll just be watching who's in the finals of the world that year, who's who's been making waves and just kind of, um, I kind of gravitate to some of the older names, uh, some of the OGs, but no, yeah, I don't, I don't study too many actual matches. I don't watch too many actual jiu-jitsu matches. Um, I, I don't have any good names for you other than watching a few Keenan videos, watching his fights, but I more like to kind of just do the actual instructionals rather than watching the fight videos. I guess I kind of burned myself out at the beginning of my jiu-jitsu career. I just, that's all I did, right? I watched UFC 100, every event. I watched every freaking undercard event. I watched every every small organization out there, all the pride events, all the uh, dream, and just burned myself out watching MMA. I just, I watch a lot less fighting now. I don't know what it is. I think it's just like the more you go on, like the less and less of it you need to see. I was kind of the same way. Like when I started, I watched all the big, all the big jujitsu tournaments, all the big UFC events. And I'll, I'll watch like some of the big UFC cards now, but for the most part, I'm not trying to watch like every single event. Cause there's just like, there's one every week. Like there's so, there's so many to follow, but I'll follow a lot of the big ones. And I think one of the big ones coming up, I think uh, Connor's going to fight Dustin Poirier. Mm. They're going to have a rematch. Are you going to watch that? And if you are, who do you got? I don't know too much about Poirier. I just know that it didn't go well from the first match. Uh, Yeah. Connor, he's a special guy, right? He's, he's got just next level range, next level movement. He's a very hard person to hit and very hard person to, to fight. Just the way he gets in your head, the way he shit talks like no other I think the mental aspect of fighting Connor has got to be one of the hardest parts of fighting Connor. I think uh, it's a hard hurdle to overcome, and maybe he'll be able to do it. But I think that guy gets in your mind like no other, right? Yeah, no. I th- I 
feel Connor will come back again and do it, it'll be a different fight, I think for sure. I think Poirier will have a better fight this time, but I still think Connor will beat him again. I just think Connor's striking is just on a different level compared to Dustin. It's crazy. Yeah. I think I think Connor's striking's on a different level. I think you you even said it as well, Kevin, that he's very he's very hard to hit. He's very elusive. He's his range is there. His range management, like just everything he does is, is very unique. So when you're preparing to compete against somebody like that, it's hard to mimic that with you know, sparring partners and people coming in. Cause there's, there's nobody who spars or fights like him. It's like, it's like trying to game plan. Like how do you, how do you game plan for Khabib? For example, it's like, you, you can't, he's just a different level of, He's just a different level of fighter. Like there's been stories of him, like doing five rounds with like light heavyweights and heavyweights in the UFC. He's just like, all right, round one, ding, five seconds. And it takes him down. And he's just on top of them for five minutes. Round two. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm not getting taken down by this guy. Who's three weight classes below below me. Round two, ding, same thing. Mm Taking down five seconds in. And then just on top for nonstop. He's just, buzzsawing people. And like, these are, these aren't even just lightweights and welterweights that he was training with. Like these were like, People that were 205, heavyweights, like big guys that should at least be able to hold their own. They're just getting tackled. But like those are two people that were just at another level. And I think, I think, you know, Poirier is very good. I think it's going to be a different fight as well. But then at the same time, I, don't, I think it's, it's hard to game plan for somebody like Connor. I don't think Poirier is going to have answers for like the way he strikes. And I think. I think I can see Connor winning that one again. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. Well, you mentioned Khabib, and what I really like about uh, about Khabib and about fighters like him that, like, you know what he's going to do. There's no secret that Khabib's going to take you down and drown and pound you. But good luck stopping him, right? And I just I love that when you know the person's a game. There's no secret. There's no, you're not going to get any crazy surprises. But uh, I dare you to stop them. You know, good luck trying to stop them. Khabib's game plan, takedown, double, it's like double leg, takedown. There's no secret. There's no to everybody, right? It's like, watch all this fight. It's the same thing over and over again. And there's something to that level. I think the best thing I can compare it to is Hodger in Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing, yeah. Mount cross to it's, he's honestly he's probably one of my all-time greats and it sounds weird because everybody's like oh mike don't you all do all this fancy like jujitsu shit where like you spin upside down on your head and inside out and tug on people's pants and lapels it's like i do that <laughs> but like i do i actually have like a great appreciation for like hodger's jujitsu and the reason being is it's so unbelievably simple and i'm not saying that yep. like it's a derogatory term it's it's all it's all basics. It's all stuff you learn at white belt. He's just so good at it. Everybody knows what's coming. Nobody can stop it. And I think it's a those per- advanced basics, right? It's not just basics. It's like he's doing basic techniques, but there's so much subtlety to it, and there's so many little little differences, little uh, things that he does that people don't do, right? And intricacies that most people don't catch, right? And, it's uh, little subtle things where it's like, okay, I'm going to go to mount, but the way you're going to stop it, you're setting up. There's yeah. different attacks and defenses. It's I use also Gordon Ryan as another example where 
he knows with his game, everything that you're going to do to try to stop him. And he has an answer for all those things that you're going to do to try to stop him. Hodger, I think is the same way in pretty much every position where he knows what you're going to do before you even do it. And both of them, they're just so incredibly like fundamentally sound. And that I think is so important at the high level, right? You see people that are fancy and so good at their niche areas but have holes in their jujitsu, right? And I want to be that guy who doesn't have any holes. He has just such a fundamental game and everything is, you don't do anything wrong, but you know, if you want to be extremely effective at a competition, I do think you do have to have a niche and an area that people don't kind of can't operate on the level that you're operating. You know, have such a higher understanding of a certain fancy area and they can't keep up with it. I think that's important, but it's also important to have the just incredible fundamental understanding of every position, the way that a Hodger Gracie does. And that's kind of where I, why I study so much Donaher stuff, because I'm trying to fix that in my goal, in my game. I just want to be doing the right thing in every position, right? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, I, I think it makes complete sense. I think another thing too is like, when you look at like, and here's a question, because it's like, you see all these guys who are, you know, really good jujitsu players that are all, whether they can't make money in jujitsu now, so they're all dipping their toes going into MMA, right? So yeah. we have, and they either find success or they don't, right? So we have Dylan Danis, for example. Yeah, he's got two wins, but he's both are against guys that are no real good ground games at all, or right? I think it's a, it's a the floor, goes for ankle lock, and that's it. You got guys like Tim Spriggs that are going to join into going into MMA. And then all of a sudden we got guys like Jake Paul jumping into boxing. Right. And now calling out Dylan Dennis and then Tim Spriggs is calling out Dylan Dennis into boxing. So there's all these guys just trying to make money now, whether it's a celebrity status or it's just, and it's kind of weird too, because it's like, okay, nobody's sticking to what they just do anymore. Right. They're all over the place. And I'm like, so that's why I, I put a post out there and like Tim Spriggs was like, Hey, Dylan Dennis is trying to be a celebrity. He's not being trying to be a fighter anymore. Like that's his honest assessment. From yeah. And I, I can understand why he wants to do that. He wants to make money, but yeah, that's kind of, that's what MMA is nowadays. I think it's, can you sell yourself? Can you market yourself? You could have the best person in the world fighting, but people don't really want to watch that. They want to watch the Conor McGregor's of the world, the people who are going to run their mouth. People are going to make it exciting. People also too, that their styles will be exciting. So it's, it's more about how you market yourself and, and giving getting the right opportunities, right. And putting yourself out there. So yeah. Yeah, they're they're feeding to that 80% of the population that doesn't know about it but will watch it for whatever reason rather than the 20% that really know and are like the diehard, you know, fans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's where the money's at, right? I think there's a lot of that not even just in MMA or like there's a lot of that in MMA like Colby Covington's like another perfect example of that or somebody who's just going to talk just off the deep end. <laughs> He's just going to talk an unbelievable amount of shit and like deny that he got knocked out. I think my favorite all time I think well, favorite all my time was a broke. <laughs> I broke your jaw. <laughs> I broke your face. Broke it wasn't broke. It wasn't. <laughs> I broke your face. 
Legend. But uh, but I would say one of my favorite all time trash talkers was none other than Chael P. Sonnen, <laughs> <laughs> because he would just go on rant. He would just deny anything. It's like in pro wrestling, like a perfect bad guy would just deny yeah. that he got beat. Like he get his <laughs> ass kicked sixty five matches in a row, and then he would come out just uh, the next day on like a TV. You just be like, "Yeah, man, I won. I kicked the guy's ass. I did this. I did that." You know? And he got like title shots coming off of losses and stuff there there was a reason you know like that paid him well that that served him well all that shit talking right like that like it was hilarious because he's fighting like anderson silva and like he's talking about the fight is the first fight he had with him and he's like <laughs> how can you take a grown man down and punch him in the face for over 20 minutes straight and he and that man throws That's his legs around your head for 10 seconds and he's declared the winner how is that possible? <laughs> it's like, that's exactly what happened. You got triangles. <laughs> yeah. Well, then don't give up. You know, that's his, his own fault. He gave up. Yeah. Just the way he worded it. He's like, what do you mean? I yeah. beat him up for 20 minutes. Just going on. He's like, I beat him up. I did this. I did that. I thought he it was definitely just had a those... gift of gab. He had one of the, it was by far one of those hilarious things I've ever heard because he's not lying. Technically, he's not lying. That's what happened. But then yeah. the way he, he, he stretched the truth, I guess you could say, to, to market it, made it even better. Um, His personal assessment of it, yeah. So, yeah, like total opposite, I think, personality to probably you. But do you enjoy, like, you can, you see this a lot in, like, now you're starting to see it a lot more in jiu-jitsu, like kind of the MMA thing. Like Gordon Ryan's talking crazy amounts of shit on Instagram. Um, what are what's your take on that whole situation of like you know the Dylan Dynas Dynasts wow. of the world, the the Conor McGregor's of the world, the Kobe's of the world, the Gordon Ryan's of the world, and all that marketing? Or are you you just like doing your thing, like what you're doing right now? I get I get it's marketing, and I get that hey the squeaky wheel gets the grease kind of thing. As I said with with Chael, he was getting title shots coming off of losses and stuff. Like there was a reason, right? But like people don't really want to see the humble, quiet, like, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go out and do my best kind of person. But that's what I respect the most. That's what I kind of like. I, I like the fedors of the world. Just like, don't say anything. Go and just get it done. You know, yeah, you talk your shit, but I'm going to come out and I'm going to beat you. And I'm going to just do my best. And uh, I've always liked that. Of uh, When Anderson caught Chael in that, that triangle, I was I was jumping for joy, right? It's like, yes, shut this guy up finally, right? <laughs> I just, uh, I love that. I love this, the silent assassin, the humble, respectful person who can just go out, doesn't need to, doesn't need to rip on anybody, doesn't need to talk shit about people, just go out yeah. and do their best. But like, you it, know, it, do, it does add to a match. exciting to it, watch. It can, it can add to a match. I think Chael also had another excellent line where, I think he was talking about not doing jujitsu because he didn't believe in it because he was a Republican and he didn't believe in having another man between his legs. <laughs> it's certainly entertaining, right? It's certainly entertaining. And the but Connor me, me, Meanwhile, he's like, training out of Gracie Baja in like Oregon while he's saying these things. And then he's also like, you know, he's, yeah. he, he's talking a little bit of trash about Brazil as well. <laughs> Where he's saying yeah, uh, like yeah, the first time the Nogueira brothers came to came to America, oh, and they tried to feed yeah. a bus a carrot. 
And then there's a Brazilian uh, interviewer. They were actually in Brazil. I think they were in Rio and they're interviewing them. And I think they were trying to like kind of provoke him into like saying some like, you know, anti-Brazilian things, but then like Chael was like really humble and respectful. And he's like, you know, like my jiu-jitsu instructor, Pedro Sauer will really like, cause they gave him a Brazilian flag and they're like, Hey, we'll give you this. He's like, you know, thank you. I'm going to hang this into my, and Pedro Sauer's gym, who's like one of my professors, he's like being oh, yeah. like really humble and respectful. And then I'm I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, did you just say you don't do jiu-jitsu because you're a Republican? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute, which what what's going on? Like you can tell, like a lot of times, like it's an act. Like you can tell, like yeah, with a lot, like Chael, I think is a perfect example. You can tell, like it's an act with him, and he's like trying to hype a fight. For sure, and it's like the Conor McGregor's of the world, you know, like he's just trying to sell the fight right watch him getting beat up by khabib and khabib's like talk now and he's like it's just business dude like just business like i'm just here trying to fucking sell the fight trying to make a dollar right what's that background sound all i hear is like a typing oh, can you typing. hear that i'm sorry what is, what is that that was a space i'm uh i'm actually quarantining in the gym because uh I live with my parents, so I didn't want to uh, subject them to a possible coronavirus outbreak. So mm -hmm. I've been quarantining in the gym for the last week, and I got another week to go. It's a little cold in the back room, so I had a space heater going. I was hoping you guys can hear it. <laughs> hear it, I'll turn. No, no, no. What is the so? What is the the fourteen day quarantine like? I know a couple people have we've had on podcasts previously. I think Max did nogi pans. He got mm. back. He had to do a fourteen day quarantine, like. You know, what are your thoughts on it? Like, I have my own opinions on it. Like, I think, you know, you got to be cautious and careful. But at the same time, I think now they're starting to find maybe 14 days might be a little excessive, maybe. <laughs> it might be a little excessive. But like, like I said, it's, I'm not really doing it for me. I'm doing it for people around me, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. It makes everybody else have a better peace of mind. If I'm fucking, if I'm quarantined and I'm not around anybody, so I'll just, I'll suck it up and do it. Um, of course, keep, you'll, 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 you'll keep your herpes on that side of the gym over there. That's it. I knew what I was getting into before I came, right? Before yeah. I went to Florida, I knew what I was going to have to do. Did they make you do a like rapid test coming home? No, no. Um, I didn't have any option to do that. I would have, would have liked to, but I didn't okay. hear anything. I would, I would like that too, honestly, just for you do one, like when you land and then one, like seven days after, because I think they're finding 95, 99. I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass, but it's a high percentage, 90, 90. It's, it's a lot where most COVID cases are going to develop within that week. You'll know within like seven, eight, nine. It's very science. It's a very scientific number. It's science, Aaron. It's science. Don't laugh over there. <laughs> they're it's a not, fucking mathematician over there yeah. keeps, i'm just gonna keep saying it's science because you know when, when it, whenever i don't have an argument i'll just be like it's science what do you mean <laughs> bill well, gates gonna microchip now. you it's science it's science <laughs> well i'm on day eight now and i haven't i haven't caught any or haven't had any symptoms yet so i think i'm on the clear so fingers crossed fingers crossed well, that's good i mean like and again like if you look at it like you're at you were probably at you're at a place where people are like whether they're being cautious, they're healthy, they're doing whatever they can there. I, like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know That's the it. atmosphere you're in. Right. But it's just like, it, it's like, it's like the fucking cold, man. Like you're, you're going to catch a cold. You're going to catch a flu. You're going to catch everything. Right. Like there's no real 
prevent that we got into this whole thing of prevention though nobody can get it but i'm like it's not possible like it's yeah. a disease people get diseases all the time i thought the know, whole thing at the beginning was all about flatten the curve and not just just making sure that we didn't all have it at the same time i thought that that was just general yeah. consensus that we we're all gonna get it just don't want to be all getting it at the same time but you know um I think it's important to have a healthy immune system and still be kind of subjecting yourself, not putting yourself in a bubble, right? Sitting in a bubble all the time, sitting there eating fast food, not working out, probably just going to make you more susceptible to getting sick, getting yep. this or something Agreed. else, right? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that too. Like you still need to exercise, you still need to eat properly, still need to supplement accordingly, still need to keep your immune system strong. You should, you know, you should still, you know, follow precautions as well. Like don't throw like hundred person orgies at that gym there, Kevin, don't be getting any ideas. <laughs> Probably oh, not a good idea right now. Just saying, but like you're throwing like a massive, you said it, get your mind out of the gutter, Mike, get your mind out of the gutter, but no, like it, it's not a good idea to, you know, probably hang out in multiple you know, large gatherings and things like that, maybe with like, you know, hundreds I wasn't of going to, to train down there. I wasn't going to go to a gym and train in Florida. I was just, you know, fight, go down, compete, wash my hands as much as I can, wear the mask as much as I can, take as many precautions. But at the end of the day, you know, yeah. it's not the end of the world yeah. if I get some. That's what you got. I think it's quarantine. honestly that that's the best approach I think going forward. I think for everybody yeah. listening, like you just, Got to keep doing what you're doing and just be life. careful. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And just be careful. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you this evening: your your future, oh. 2021. What uh, what plans do you have? You know, are there are there going to be tournaments in Ontario in 2021? We don't know that yet. Uh, but like, what are you? What are your plans? Like, are you going to be doing like some pod training, or are you just going to focus on you do you? Like, what's what's the plan for you? It's hard to make plans in the landscape that we're in right now, right? It is. Um, mm. I would hope that we can get back to some kind of training and I can go back to teaching in small groups um, and some kind of training. Uh, like you said, some pods. Um, I think we're going to, at least the next couple of weeks, we're going to be laying low and not doing too much and just kind of using the time for self-improvement for how improving my jiu-jitsu and improving other aspects of my life right um trying to do a little bit of uh portuguese studying just kind of laying low right and just just working on on myself um hopefully yeah that we can get back to jiu-jitsu and we can get back teaching and uh but right now it's it's hard to really make plans right because we don't know what we're allowed to do we don't know where we're going to be in the next couple of months I would imagine we're going to be stuck in lockdowns till at least March, April. So just staying inside and trying That's to keep my sanity, I guess. Kind of what I'm anticipating, unfortunately, because usually when they say, hey, we're going to shut things down for two weeks, usually going to be longer than two weeks or four weeks yeah. or, what, or what they're saying, right? I'm, I'm anticipating it's going to be longer, unfortunately. I think so. And it's like it's flu season. It's... I don't know. It's cold out. I don't think uh, we'll be rushing back to everything. I think the spring, hopefully that's when we'll start thinking about release, uh, relaxing some of the lockdowns. Yeah. This is kind of a random question, but I'm going to propose it to both of you. Have you both noticed that you haven't been as sick this year? Yeah. I honestly, 
Well, yeah. I I chalk that up to the fact that I'm not teaching as many kids classes, but oh, I would get sick three, four times in like September, October time, but I haven't been sick at all this year. I got really sick in January though. I think I had coronavirus in January. You know what? I was actually going to say the exact same thing because the end of January, I was sick for a good two weeks, like off and on, just felt like complete garbage, completely run down. And a lot of the symptoms I had were very similar. I'm not saying I had it already and it doesn't mean, oh, well, like you, just because you got it once, you can't get it again, which I think is, yeah. it's false because you can go, oh, well, just because you had the flu once doesn't mean, oh, you're good. You're never going to get the flu again. It's like, In well, some no. cases, it's worse the second time too, right? Yeah. So unfortunately, you, it doesn't work like that. But I think there was a strong chance that I, I had it already. I think there's also a strong chance that my wife had it already because- a lot of her symptoms were very similar as well. Like she was sick for a couple of weeks and just off and on, just like lungs were messed up and just weren't, weren't feeling good. I think like even Aaron, he'll speak for himself. Oh, but I think. Yeah, like I, I had something for sure. And again, like every year, like it's almost like clockwork where it's like January, February is normally where I'll get, whether it's being a flu or some sort of virus or like sore throat because of just environments where you work. Right. And just pe- everybody's getting sick. So you get sick. And I'm, I, I think the entire staff or like where Mike and I worked at the time, were literally all sick within like the same like month basically. And then all of us kind of got over everything. Cause it, again, one person gives it to the other person, whatever, sitting in offices and all that kind of stuff. And then like, yeah, like I would not be surprised if it happened at the club, but I don't know. So, yeah, there's a strong yeah. chance that I think I probably had COVID as, as well. That's probably in January. And at the time, it's like it wasn't as, as hyped like media wise right now. Like there wasn't like a daily ticker counting cases. It was just, it yeah, was. They didn't start doing Asia. that until. <laughs> they didn't start doing that until like late February, March. And then yeah. when they shut the NBA down, that's when everything kind of went to hell. Yeah. I think yeah, I was I actually away for that. And I was like, what the hell is going on in the world? <laughs> I think I brought it to Portugal. I infected Portugal. Because <laughs> I went to the Euros like uh, the week before I was going to go to the Euros. I just got so sick. I'd never been so sick in my life. Just ridiculous flu. I couldn't uh, uh, like. I couldn't manage my temperature. I was always either way too hot or way too cold. And then, hey, it's my flight to Portugal. I got to go. So jumped in. The plane with <laughs> I got to go. I got to go. I gotta go. Of I gotta I'm like, they would not let me on a plane in that condition now. Oh, my God. I would be freaking thrown into a quarantine fucking <laughs> right away. I think sneezing on the person next to me. I'm I'm switching out my sweaters. I'm sitting there. I've got four sweaters on. I'm taking them off and then putting them back on. Sweating buckets, and then got to core. I got to Portugal. I uh, went and lived in a bed for two days, and then felt better. And I went and competed, and then felt okay. But yeah, I I think I I brought it to Portugal with me. (laughs) Like when you when you hear stories like that, like and again, like I'm sure Mike's got stories like that. Like I have stories of being sick and going to work and all that kind of stuff. Like those those things just seem like normal, right? They're like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm. I'm not sick enough where I can't work. I got to yeah. go do X. Like I have to do what I need to do. And so you just go out and did it. Right. And mm-hmm. the precautions are precautions. Right. But you think about if you try to do that stuff now, it's like, no, you can't. One, you can't. You start, like, whoa, you can't whoa, whoa. Up. What the hell are you doing? You have a dry cough. You can't. You can't, you can't show, exactly. You got a dry cough. Like you think about schools, like one symptom. So if you yeah. have like, 
a snuff, like how many kids have a fucking stuffy nose all the time, right? Like, like all these different things. We it's changed the way people think so much about any sort of sickness at all, where the common cold is now all of a sudden fucking COVID, right? So it's just like we're gonorrhea. Okay, <laughs> could be that too. You, know, you, you never know. But you're right, though. Like, there's been stories of like what Aaron was saying. There's stories of like, ah, I'm not feeling too great, but I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna suck it up. How many times does that happen? Where like where you're training, where you're just like, ah, I got a little bit of a sniffle, but I'm gonna go in and train. Nope, that ain't happening now. No way. No way. Not any. No bloody yeah. way. Just take some cough I medicine you and go. go. You go train to feel better. You're like, oh, I feel a little sick. I'll go to roll, <laughs> sweat it out. <laughs> you're right. You're right. One hundred. Uh, Take some so Dayquil bad. and go. Go to train. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, so Kevin Wheeler was Randy Marsh in South Park, where he went to China and infected. <laughs> and, he infected <laughs> and he infected the country with Mickey it Mouse. That's what he. That's what he did in Portugal. It was. It, <laughs> That's a South Park reference, by the way, for anybody who's listening. But I check appreciate that one out. It, Mike. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you appreciate it. I'm glad you do. With Mickey Mouse and the pangolin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Here's a fucking Mandalorian. We need more of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. The new season, the finale of the second season. Oh, my. Oh, you watch that? Oh, the yeah. Fucking buddy. badass, eh? So cool. I'm excited for the next one. Oh, yeah. No. And the Book of Boba Fett's coming out, too. They finally gave him a show. It's like, fucking right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, excited like, that they're actually doing some of these Star Wars properties, like, well, right? The, the Mandalorian yeah. was the first Star Wars thing in a while that I've been excited about. Yeah, no, that was good. Like, when you watch that, then spoiler alert for anybody who has watched the episode, but it's been out for too long, so go fuck yourselves. So, <laughs> spoiler like, alert, go fuck yourselves. We're talking about it. That's it. But, yeah. um, like, like, did you expect that to happen, or what? When I saw the X, well, like, they did kind of allude to a Jedi coming and finding Grogu, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But did you think it was going to be Luke? Jedi could be, right? And yeah, I, I don't know too much of the Star Wars lore, so I don't know too many of the, the Jedi. So uh, my mind was immediately on Luke, especially where it is in the timeline right after they're turning yeah, Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see the X-Wing dock and then the green lightsaber. I was like, oh, my, oh, I know who this is. Oh, <laughs> shit. It, oh, shit. It's on now. It's going down. <laughs> He's just chopping down the dark troopers, just flattening them with his force. The, the mind. Yeah. Oh, God, it was... It was dope. Yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty awesome episode. I was very happy with it. It's a very satisfying finale to some of the movies that were maybe not so satisfying, I guess you could say. That's it. Like the sequel trilogy of I don't even know where they were going with that. <laughs> yeah, I got a little off the rails. But no, like, you know what? I think the new direction that they're they're taking everything is just like everybody's excited for it because it's just, it's keeping it simple, but yeah. it's also kind of sticking with the lore and the actual facts of what it was. Like, I think it's like anything. They try to go big, but they went like over the top, way too big. Yeah. And people are like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's like, 
too much. <laughs> I think they're doing a great job having a lot of the people involved in the Marvel universe involved now, like John yeah. Favreau, who's worked wonders in, with the Iron Man and the whole yeah. uh, MCU world, right? So they're going in that kind of direction, and I think it's paying off. No, it's pretty crazy how Disney just about owns like everything now. <laughs> Disney owns Florida. Fact. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. own the entire state yeah. of Florida. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they got a whiff of jujitsu. Things are going to get changed. Like, and it starts making money. Oh boy. <laughs> Maybe we'll get bought out by Disney. No, we're not hey. getting it bought out by Disney. No, we're not we're, we are not family friendly entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be the we're gonna be on the the Fox side where Deadpool and all that kind of stuff is because <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, cool, I'm cool with that. It's no, but that's all been bought by Disney now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like we'll yeah. be on that side. They'll be okay. <laughs> Fair, but I feel like Deadpool is just gonna be brought into the Disney world and just done PG. No, they 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 said so. Ryan Reynolds, because when they brought him, and they're like, we need to keep Deadpool the way it is, right? Because that's why it was so successful. So they are going to do a rated R version of Deadpool in the Disney universe. Okay, which is crazy because they've never really done that. Yeah, the fact that they're they haven't done much, but like, but it'll be under the Fox banner, but it won't be under like they won't like credit it as Disney. It'll be under Fox still. How oh, many okay. R-rated Disney movies are there? <laughs> that's There's my none. question. They don't, they, they, they don't do R-rated. That's why. That's why everybody was all pissed when like Disney bought yeah. Fox. So they're like, oh, they're going to fuck over Deadpool. But no, yeah. they're actually like, okay, no, it's successful the way it is. We don't want to mess with it too much. But mm-hmm. that's why they did do that. Like, um, Remember when they did a re-release of the Deadpool 2 and they had the, the holiday special one? So basically they only had like three F-bombs in the entire movie because that's the limit you can keep it to like for A rating. Oh no, I so never anything saw over every, anything over three F-bombs, you have to go to R. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, just fucking politics. <laughs> he said the word, like the ice has been broken. Let him say it as many times as he wants, right? Whatever. <laughs> nope, three, t- three times. Three, three times. times, that's it. <laughs> you hit three, that's it. Oh new territory now yeah <laughs> i know i'm gonna get yelled at the first day my son drops an f-bomb it's totally my fault <laughs> <laughs> my son's already a, my, my son hasn't sworn yet but he's looking at me like don't say that what are you doing <laughs> well, like, you're, you're, scolding, I, you're scolding me you're five <laughs> no, I, I've, I've been in the car before and then basically driving and then i've said something to a driver ahead of me and then i'll hear in the background like Dad, why'd you say F the and they'll say it? I'm like, oh god, don't repeat that to your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Whoop, my bad. Yeah. I haven't run into these problems yet. Nah, don't worry. You got a long time before you're there. (laughs) No rush, buddy. (laughs) Keep training, keep training, man. Because once those happens, the training changes. I won't be able to go to Florida and quarantine for two weeks and uh, over Christmas. In <laughs> Casa de Gringo. Casa de Gringo. In Casa de Gringo. In the world. <laughs> oh, well, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. I uh, appreciate thank your, you so much for having me. your coming, on, coming on this evening, uh, giving us your time. Uh, do you have any sponsors you want to thank? Anybody you want to thank? Anybody to shout out? 
Sure. Um, sponsors, uh, Kings Canada. Jeff Santos is the man. Uh, best best ski company on the globe. Uh, Kingsfightersmarket.ca. Um, Action Reaction uh, MMA. Best best team in uh, in Ontario. And uh, Mike's gonna dispute that. And also a uh, big shout out to my boy Chris McLeedis at Core Performance. Uh, if you guys want to get your body stronger, that's the guy to holler at. Core Performance. That's the place to be getting trying to get, he's trying to get my weak little body a little stronger, a little bit more ready for, uh, for that world stage. Is he going to try to get you from light feather to like ultra no, heavy? No, or... I'm not light feather. I'm feather, buddy. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. My mistake. <laughs> Next one up is lightweight. We're, we're moving to lightweight eventually. You're moving we're to lightweight. lightweight. We're, put, we're putting weight on. I'm about 210 right now. So I think I'm a, I'm a oh, good yeah. solid heavyweight right now. <laughs> Yeah, but no, thank fifty-two. <laughs> I'm like two ten. I'm like two ten right now. Two ten, okay. holy shit! Two ten, Put, putting on beef. But um, I want Kevin. I want to thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, appreciate your time. If you're listening to this indie car, what we're me and Aaron are doing specifically is we're trying to for 2021. We're really trying to build up the YouTube channel. So if you can, if you're listening to us, take thirty seconds, like, subscribe. And like our podcast at the Choking Hazard podcast page, that is on YouTube. That's the big one that we're going to be trying to build up in 2021. We're going to have some contests related to that in the, in the very near future as well. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It was, it was a lot of fun chatting with you guys. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys having me on. No, thank you very much, Kevin. We appreciate it. We'll have us up. We'll do this again soon, hopefully in person, maybe when you're not quarantining.